Broadcasting live from Business Radio X, it's time for Coach the Coach. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. If you want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast business whisperer with Six Sense Strategy, Miss Parisa Bania. How are you? I am fantastic. The sun is shining. The lake uh, here in Chicago looks amazing. And I'm speaking with you all today. What more could I ask for? Not much more. I think you got it. <laughs> Living large <laughs> over there. That's right. Well, Parisa, before we get too far into things, do you mind sharing a little bit about Six Sense? How are you serving folks? Thank you so much for asking that question. So uh, what I do is I propel senior leaders when they are uh, eager to scale their business or to grow as leaders. And so essentially uh, what my clients are looking for is someone to act as an objective thinking partner to clarify what their goals might be and then to help them navigate a way to get to those goals. So in other words, I help them be the best GPS of their business and their teams. Now, what is the pain that they're having where uh, you're the solution? Are there, is there some symptoms that, um, that are triggers to have them call you? Oh, great question. Thank you for asking. So the pain point often is, you know, when you're running a company that's, you know, 50 employees, 100 employees, 25 employees, it's, it's not like you can walk up to one of your employees and say, hey, you know what, I'm really kind of worried about this particular thing that's looming on the horizon. Can you and I sit down for a spell and think about what my options might be on a go-forward basis? Running a scaling business can often feel like you're alone in a crowded room. You may be worried about doing things right. You may also be worried about focusing on the right things. And this may be because you're coming from a place of an audacious goal or you're trying to navigate around an iceberg that you see coming up ahead. There is this, uh, there is this sense of isolation, even though there are plenty of people that you're surrounded with on a daily basis. And so what they know is that I, um, I engage in what I call business empathy and uh, just sitting side by side with them and say, all right, well, what does the opportunity landscape look like? What are some really exciting things that uh, we can identify as an opportunity and move towards that? And what are the things that we need to do? What strategies do we need to put in place to make all of those things possible for you? So how do we get from what's now to what's possible? And what they're looking for is that someone to help them fill in the gap between what's happening now and, and what's going to happen in the possible. Now, you use the word empathy in a business sense. Uh, empathy is not usually a person's superpower. How do you help uh, a leader <laughs> kind of turn on the empathy switch or, or maybe make them more self-aware that empathy is something important that they should be doing more of? Yeah, so we can agree that Empathy is something that we should engage in with our 
friends, our partners, our spouses, neighbors, etc. But there is business value to engaging empathy when you're making decisions around your business model or your business strategy, mainly because people don't buy what you're offering on features and benefits. People always make an emotional buy. People always want to feel like they are heard, understood, and respected. And the way that we stand uh, apart from somebody else is that we present with selling the problem that we solve as opposed to leading with features and benefits. And so when we engage in empathy, it means that we take a three-dimensional view of our customer or as much of a three-dimensional view of our customer as humanly possible. And so it means that we understand context. It means that we understand that the path that they've taken to wherever it is that they happen to be at this point in time so that we know when to engage with them. We know how to engage with them. We know what product or service to offer to them as a possibility. And also at the same time, we know when that, the, that we might not be the best solution for them and we can refer them to other people that may actually be a better fit. So that's empathy within the context of outward facing to your market. But it also turns out that empathy inside your business also pays off. Why is this? Well, when we look to our teams that are delivering the value to our customers, we have to engage our teams, our people, as our most critical strategic asset. So it's not so much giving them a job description, but tying their job description to what the overall strategy is. Tying their job description to why it is that the important work they do will deliver the results that we're all looking for uh, to be able to continue to build and grow this business. So heard, understood, and respected customer-wise, but heard, understood, respected also with our employees so that we have this really nice kind of virtuous circle of empathy, delivering results on the inside, but also delivering results for our customers on the outside. There's a lot of writing around kind of the why or the, the, the reason or mission about what you're trying to do. Does this play into that to, for, the, for both constituents to really understand the why behind the effort and your work? Yeah, there's, there's that uh, Simon Sinek uh, often talks about starts with why. And that is, uh, so as a yes and to the why, there is absolutely value to also explaining to teams internally to say, look, this is what our business strategy is. This is what we think the three-year window might be or the five-year window is. Here's how we see you participating this is why you all are so important. So it's, it's some of that mission stuff with why that Simon Sinek talks about, but also backing that up with, with the, uh, the actual work that people do so that people can see tangibly on a day-to-day -day basis that whatever they're contributing on a day-to-day -day basis has greater um, connection to the overall point of why it is we do what it is we do. 
Now, does this work only if your relationship with your employees is that employee-employer relationship, or would it work also with remote teams where you only have a portion of the brain share of, uh, of your worker? That's a great question. Uh, this is where really good recruiting comes into play. And this is also where really good ongoing consistent employee engagement comes into play. So empathy as a leader is something that you can employ regardless if everyone is sitting in front of you or if they are in far flung places. If you are so good at communicating why people's individual contributions are important, it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to me in Chicago and uh, our employees happen to be sitting in San Diego somewhere. They will feel like they are in the room with us, even if we're only communicating on a Zoom call or even if we only happen to be face-to-face a couple of times a year. Now, for you, how did you get into coaching and this um, executive leader uh, work that you're doing? Is this something you've always done, or was this a pivot in your career? So I've I've been consulting. I've been doing strategy consulting for a while now, and uh, I I noticed in the last couple of years that it felt like consulting, but it also felt like coaching <laughs> at the same time, and I turned the consulting lens on myself and I said, well, you know, if I were going to optimize my business or if I were going to look for additional opportunities in my business, what would that be? And I said, well, truthfully, I'm having these coaching conversations anyway. I see the impact that I have on people anyway in the before and the after of the work that I do with them. Why wouldn't I productize myself further and add strategy coaching as an offering within my business, mainly because I've always been that person that is the keeper of secrets. I've always been that person to help reframe how someone is looking at opportunity. I've always been that person to um, push back in a, in a friendly way to help someone course correct. And so in the beginning of last year, I invested in an executive coaching certification, and I've just so enjoyed this journey. And there are things that I've learned through the certification program, as well as the coaching clients I have now that I don't think I would have fully appreciated uh, all of those things prior to me getting the coaching certification. So it's kind of expanded, expanded my own thinking. It's opened up my opportunity landscape. It makes me evaluate business opportunities in a much different way than I had before. So unintended, really awesome, wonderful consequences. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. If you want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Parisa Stone-Payton here with Business Radio X. I've been listening in on your conversation with Lee. I love the phrase business empathy, and I like how you described, or at least the vision that I would created in my head as you guys were talking, was uh, the, the, the travel of that dynamic back, forth, inside, and out. And I find it 
inspiring, intriguing, and maybe a little bit of a tall order for me personally, but I'll <laughs> keep trying. Uh, I have a question for you around impact. How do you personally choose to define, measure, and, and make sure that you are genuinely delivering real impact? That is a deep question uh, and, uh, and a wonderful question. It, the impact that I provide to other people is when in the middle of the week, I'll get a text or an email with someone saying there was that one thing you said to me during our last time together and opened up a flurry of activity and I've figured out this thing that had been bugging me for a while. I take joy and satisfaction in seeing people light up with ideas, possibility, excitement about what they could be doing in their business and what they could be doing in their teams. So standing in front of that whiteboard and coming up with some ideas for them and then seeing them run with those ideas, I can't even begin to tell you how enormous that impact is, not only on them, but also selfishly on me. Good stuff. Now, and you mentioned uh, the words business superpower. Uh, how is that different than an individual superpower or is it different? And um, how can a person leverage their superpower to its fullest? So I define the business superpower as a business's unique value proposition. And when I say unique value proposition, I don't mean the, uh, the marketing tagline. I don't mean a marketing strategy or a sales strategy. What I'm saying is the core unique value proposition of the business. And that has four ingredients. Who is your customer? What is their most painful pain? What is the core solution to that pain? And why are you the best choice? What do you offer that no one else can do? And I use that as the truth theorem in my business, but I also tell my coaching and consulting clients to use that as the truth serum in their business, who they hire, how they hire, what products to develop, qualifying or disqualifying strategic partners, qualifying, disqualifying customers, how they sell, when they sell, the marketing messaging, anything that happens internal or external to a business, using the business superpower as the truth serum tends to get the results that people are looking for. And in times where people have deviated from the superpower, practical examples are Blackberry, Sears, Macy's, Campbell's Soup, Payless Shoes. When people deviate, when companies deviate from their superpowers, that's when business results tend to go pear-shaped. But isn't it hard to... Um kind of focus on that one superpower when you see the marketplace uh, being disrupted all around you? you? You could say that. And I think that's a really, really, really salient point. However, if you really know who your customers are, if you have a really solid understanding of who they are demographically, psychographically, and a really solid understanding 
of what their migraines are versus mere headaches, then you will always find ways to stay relevant and top of mind as an option for them to work with. There are any number of businesses that have transformed over time based on how the markets have changed, but they always knew the core customer and they always knew the core pain point. And when you really have a solid understanding of the pain point, the customer, what solutions solve for the pain point and why you will always be the best choice, it doesn't matter how much disruption happens. You will always be able to ride along with the disruption. Do you find that sometimes companies kind of self-sabotage because there are disruptions and distractions and they kind of meander a little off point rather than just laser beam focused on their superpower and what's best for their clients? Oh, all the time. Uh, every day we're faced with temptation, just like every day we're faced with, or maybe not you all, but I'm faced with temptation whenever I'm in front of a pastry case. And so I have a choice in that moment to go for whatever pastry is beckoning me or to keep it moving. It's the same thing uh, with business. There is temptation to do something because you might be panicking or you want to have a meet, you want to follow on because you see everyone else is doing it. Uh, but if that truth serum is solidly in place, you'll just instinctively know, hey, maybe I should follow along with these other people or no, maybe I should actually stay in place. My favorite example of, I believe, a company that will be around for eons is Costco. Costco is a place where the shopping experience is not optimal. Um, there's always a million people there. The shopping carts are enormous. It is a warehouse retailer. And yet, most of us go every Saturday and Sunday and do our shopping there and walk out with things we don't need. Same thing with Target. We can say there's been so much disruption in retail, and there has been. And yet we're still all going to Costco and we're still all going to Target. And a lot of us are still going to Walmart. Why is that? It's because there's a keen understanding of who the customer is and what the pain point is and how to solve for the pain. And knowing whatever it is they're doing is better than every other option out there. Now, in your work, do you have certain industries or niches that you focus in on, or is your work um, kind of industry agnostic? My work is industry agnostic. Really, how my clients find me and how I decide who it is I work with is more chemistry than anything else. Are they high will? Are they high skill? Do they have a growth mindset? Are they willing to lean into a challenge? Are they, are they looking for someone to be an objective thinking partner to challenge the status quo to see what opportunity could look like? Are you willing to brainstorm a little bit? Those types of people you can find across any industry. And the variety of industry, as well as the variety of people, is what makes the work I do so interesting. 
are they typically um, have they used a lot of coaches prior to working with you or are you kind of uh, early in their coach uh, experience? It's a variety. It, it really is. There are some people that have worked with coaches before and they've decided they want a coach again. Um, there's someone I'm working with who is a serial entrepreneur and when she was working for a much larger publicly traded company, they had sponsored a coach for her. But now that she's back on her entrepreneurial path, she's decided to, to work with me. So it, it just depends on, on circumstance and what the particular need might be in that moment. And when you're doing your work is it done virtually primarily like you mentioned zoom or uh, the phone or is it done in person uh my local clients i i do meet with them in person on occasion but a lot of times my sessions are done over zoom or over the phone i prefer zoom if absent in person i prefer zoom because um at least you can see one another and there's body language and a little bit more connection that way than, than a phone call. Now, before we wrap, we'd like to ask all of our guests to share one piece of um, actionable advice for a new coach to help them smooth out their learning curve. Do you have any advice for that person just getting into coaching? Well, it's in two parts have a solid, clear understanding of who your customer is and what their pain point is. So if paint a picture, journal it, however it is that you can really have a clear picture of who the ideal client is and position yourself around the pain point of the client will not only allow you to do a better job of selling and marketing your offering, but also it helps your community of people around you know how to refer to you and uh, who they should be referring you to. Well, good stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wanted to learn more, what's the best way to get a hold of you? They can go to www. Sixthandstrategy.com, or they can email me, Parisa, P A R I S S A, at sixthandstrategy.com. And that's S I X E N S E strategy.com? Correct. Well, good stuff, Parisa. Thank you again for sharing your story. Thank you. This was great. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 